Good afternoon. Man, exciting to be together. We're about to start a new series called The Treasure Principle, and this is the book. We gave it out in 2014, so the majority of our members have it, but some of you have been added to the church or joined the church since then, and so if you don't have this book, talk to your Bible talk leader and have them come up to me. I have a box of them here, and we'll bring more for the midweek as well, but uh, one per family, not one per member. We don't have enough for everyone to have it, but at least one per household. So if you don't have this book, talk to your Bible talk leader, send them my way. we got the books up here up front. Uh, we did have some good news. Uh, yesterday, a teen was baptized, Kendall Underwood, so very exciting. Love seeing our youth just continually putting Jesus as Lord of their life, very encouraging. I do have a quick prayer request. This is for D.K. Kang, who's back up there, and he's out helping with the AV. Uh, he loves to help with that, but he has a job that honestly takes him away a lot. And so he's actually in a negotiation that if things go well it will allow him to not have to go away as much so that he can serve more as his heart has shown. And so, please be praying for D.K. Kang with that. All right, the treasure principle. We're going to be going over the next five weeks. One of those weeks will be our marriage retreat as well as the single campus and teen services. So, four services where we're going to discuss the treasure principle. So, I want to start with this quote. And I'll be honest, I may have to read it a few times because I had to read it a few times before it made sense. And it's by Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Yeah, that's exactly how my face looked the first time I, I read it. So let me read it again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that story, that, that principle was written a long time before Jim Elliott wrote it. It's a principle called the treasure principle, and that's predominantly what Randy Alcorn in his book relates to is one verse, one short little verse, which we'll read right now. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. That's the treasure principle. You know, this man was walking across this field, and I don't know if it was trespassing back then or not, but he stumbled upon a treasure. A treasure of great value. Now, obviously, because he did not own the land, that treasure would belong to whoever's the owner of the land. It's not finders keepers back then. Okay? So he understood that if I want this treasure, I need to do something. What did he do? He sold everything he had. Not just some things. Everything he had. Did he do that begrudgingly? No, it says with great joy. He went and sold everything he had to buy dirt. Because within that dirt, coming off that sacrifice, was a treasure of greater worth. And that really is what the treasure principle is about. Is where is our treasure? What are we willing to give up for a greater treasure. The whole point of that quote from James Elliot is that whatever treasure here on earth, you can't take with you. You're going to lose it at some point. But the treasure we have in heaven, that's waiting for us. That's one we look forward to. So we've got to ask ourselves, where is our heart? And, and how much does Jesus look at faith and money? 
And I'm not talking money, just literal money, but how we view it, how we use it, how we prioritize it, how important is it to us. Are those inseparable things? Or does God see them together? This is a great question. And of all places, it's John the Baptist who tells us that they are inseparable. Look at Luke 3, verse 7. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! I don't think that was said to Kendall yesterday. She came out to be baptized. I just don't think Addie went, You brood of vipers! I just don't think she did that. Man, that's some hard preaching back then. Like, you're almost being discouraged to get baptized. Well, why is that? Because John had to say something first. Because baptism doesn't mean anything if you don't have the right heart for God. If you don't have the right focus and priority, there's not repentance, as we see later. Who warns you to flee from this coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So remember that. This whole statement is all about the fruit of repentance. So whatever he talks about next is actually evidence or fact or a practice that should be in our life if we're repenting to spare ourselves from the wrath that's coming. So remember that as we read on. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. And I think the audience had a very appropriate question after that. What should we do then? How do we escape this wrath? How do we get right with God? What is this fruit of repentance? And John answers. Now you think of all the things that John could answer. Listen carefully as I read each of the individuals who represent different groups of people. How every single answer, in order to have the right faith before God, in order to have the fruit of repentance, in order to escape the wrath, has to do with how you use, value, and think about money and possessions. Every single one. Let's read. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. You want to repent? You want to be spared the wrath? You want to have the right faith? And your faith includes how you look at your possessions. Wow. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they said, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Again, you want to escape the wrath? You want to have a faith that saves? Then how you look at money, how you practice money, how you prioritize money... Don't take more than you need. Don't be greedy. Don't be a thief. Wow. And then the third crew comes up. Then the soldiers ask him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money. Notice he didn't say, don't be a soldier. He didn't say, don't go kill. You would think that would be the appropriate repentance. for No, he's more concerned about where their, their view on money is. What? Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The question was clear. What shall we do then? And all the answers are in line with how your faith and your view of money and possessions 
go together. Look at the three. Everyone should share clothes with the food or food with the poor. Tax collectors should not pocket any extra money. Soldiers should be content with their wages and not extort it. And there's so many other scriptures, guys, that connect how we view money or possessions or I even believe time because time is money. Time is valuable to us with our faith. They are not inseparable. In fact, if you were to put all the teachings of Jesus, do you realize that Jesus teaches more about how we use money than heaven and hell combined? You don't believe me? Go through the Gospels. You'll, you'll see it. Particularly in Luke. But the most important part of that short little verse is He did it with joy. I'll be honest. That's not always what's in my heart when I give. Depending on the week, right? Cash flow is a little low. Got some bills over your head. Maybe I don't need to give the full tithe this week. Maybe this year I could skip special because I need to really get this. I thought those things. Now I'll say I didn't do those things, but I thought them. Am I the only one? Okay, I thought I was the only wicked person in this room. Okay, No, but it, this, these are very challenging things. There's something about money in our hearts. That's why Jesus said it's difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you're an American, you're rich. It's difficult. Wow. So, you've got to ask yourself, what response do you have? You know, there's another response to these kinds of questions. In Matthew 19, for sake of time, I won't read it. You know it. It's the, it's the story of the rich young ruler. And he comes up and asks questions. How can I inherit eternal life? Jesus says, do you know the commands? I, I know all the commands. I've done them since my youth. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive. I don't know if I could say that. Could you? I don't think most of us in this room could have answered that the way this guy did. So what's Jesus put out before him? Okay. You really want inheritance of eternal life? Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And what was the response of this man? With great joy, he went and sold everything, gave it... No, he went away sad. Yep. So you got to ask yourself, which man are you? The man in the field or the rich young ruler? Are you sad about losing control of what you think is your money and possessions? Or are you willing, with great rejoicing, to give it all up to do whatever God wants you to do? That, that is the real question of the treasure principle. Matthew 6, verse 19. This is a good one. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. You guys ever had anything stolen? Yeah, I've, I've had it a couple times. You know, I've shared before in Russia, like five times they, they broke, broke into our apartment. Fifth time they took the front door. The only thing I had left was my Bible, which was really the only thing I needed. God was making it very clear to me back then. But it's the worst feeling when stuff is stolen from you. But here's the thing, guys. According to this verse, whatever is your treasure on earth will eventually be taken from you. Or it will break down. Anyone here own a home? Do you remember how you felt like, man, I'm renting, I'm renting, I'm just throwing away money. I can't wait to give my home, my, 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 my kingdom, where I can build. And Then you get a home and then you're like, man, it is falling apart like every stinking year. <laughs> then i got to chase the, get a new fence. Oh, now i got to get a new roof. Oh, no, the air conditioning unit went out. 
Right after the warranty expired? Oh, the foundation? Now the toilet seat? Now the sink? Now the garbage disposal? I have the list goes on and on. Good thing for Google, man. I wouldn't know how to do any of that. Yeah. Here what I thought was like, I've been waiting for this kingdom, my home. And it's like, it's just falling apart all the time. It's going to be taken from you. It says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I have a question. Did it say to not store up treasure at all? No, it didn't say that. It said do not store up treasures on earth. We are commanded to store up treasures in heaven. How do you do that? So I've often thought about that as, as even as God commands us to give in all the different forms. He doesn't just command us to give in tithes. He commands us to give for special needs, like special missions for hope and, and the people around us, benevolence. That, those are also commands above a weekly tithe. And I often think that when I don't give to that, it's like God, Jesus is up there preparing my room and He's about to put the new... And boom, it's gone because I kept it on earth. And so I wonder how empty our rooms are going to be because of how much treasures we bought on earth. Where what if I give all the things I have on earth, man, my room's going to be the bomb. I'll be like, come on over, guys. Everything I, I thought I needed on earth, man, I decided I'm not going to worry about it because I'm waiting for heaven. And man, look at this. Your giving may determine how Jesus decorates your room. It's just a thought. I'm not saying that's a biblical principle, but it motivates me. I don't want an empty room in heaven. I want to get to heaven even if it's empty, but I don't want an empty room for all eternity. Even in heaven, that might get a little boring. I want to have my treasures there. I think that's an important question. And in case you're really wondering, well, Derek, come on. It's not really that bad. Really? Look at this, this proverb, 23.5. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Can anyone relate to that truth? It seems like every time I think I'm going to get ahead, it does sprout wings and flies off. You get your paycheck, you're like, it's gone before I even deposit it into the bank. Every time I think I get ahead, car breaks down. Now, I have learned to appreciate though, what if I didn't get ahead and the car broke down? That'd be worse. So I'm learning to go, okay, I know I felt like I had a windfall and now it's fallen, but at least it wasn't a windfall and fallen. You know, like at least now I'm able to meet that need. But I think God is trying to show us, guys, putting your treasures on earth, it's all temporary. Look at Matthew 19.29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. If you're a finance guy, do you realize what he just said? He gave you the best insider tip ever. That's a 10,000% on your investment. Is that a pretty good investment? Yeah. So why don't we? Why is it so easy for our hearts to grab on treasures that are fleeing? Probably because we can touch it. 
We can see it. We can smell it. We can feel it. We can ride in it. We can sit in it. But they all do fade away. You know, if I were to ask you, what was your greatest treasure in your life? Like, what was something that, man, and it may not be the treasure now, but it was something you know, like, go, yeah, that was my treasure. And then I'm going to ask you, do you even still have it? One of my treasures in, in college, because I didn't have anything else, I didn't have a car or any of those things, and I lived off Top Ramen. You know, my, my weekly meal was Top Ramen Surprise, which was anything else I had in the refrigerator with Top Ramen. Okay? But I had a treasure. It was a Holland Titanium $3,000 bike. It was sweet. It was the kind that was so light you could go like this with your pinky and lift it. And we used it for a lot of cross training, did a lot of other bike races and things like that. That, that was my treasure. But what's so amazing is I got that about two years before I became a disciple. And it was my pride and joy. Man, if anyone touched it, did they got near it, hey. But when I became a disciple, suddenly that treasure was no longer my treasure. And then just a few weeks later, I'm asked to leave the country and sell all my possessions. And I can honestly say I gave it to my roommate for free. Then a year later, I found out what happened to that bike. Not knowing that maybe one day I'll come back and I'll get to ride it again. Well, he put it on the top of his car, on the car rack, in an underground parking lot. Drove out in it, went... And I can honestly tell you when I heard it, I was more concerned for his car than my bike. Because I had a treasure now that was worth so much more. Now you think, no, Derek, you were upset. I I really wasn't. You're not going to ride a bike on icy roads in Soviet Union, okay? This is not going to be very good. I, I really, it was no longer that treasure. But I can't say I've kept that heart the entire time of my walk with God. Living in Russia, I didn't have a lot. It was easy to treasure God. But coming back to the States, having more opportunities, having more resources, it's scary how quickly things on earth became treasures again. A lot of those treasures are up in boxes in my attic and I don't even know where they are. I could throw away everything in my attic and I probably wouldn't miss a single thing. But they're still there. I'm just saying what I'm wrestling with my heart as I go through this treasure principle. What about you? Are we putting our heart in something that will not last? So, Randy Alcorn comes up with really six keys, and we're going to look at just two of them today briefly, that will help us to make sure our treasure is in the right place. Key number one, God owns everything. I am just His money manager. He's entrusted to me His money. It's not my money. And if you're wondering, no, I don't know if I believe that, Derek. Okay, let's read this, Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's. Who owns the earth? But I know how we think. We're like, okay, the earth. That means the land, the water, the vegetation that's connected to it. But that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, everything else in it. Well, I didn't finish the verse. And everything in it. What would that include? Oh, now that includes everything in it. Like... Everything in it. Well, but that doesn't necessarily include people. It's just the things, right? Oh, no, we're not done. And all who live in it. So if it's the whole earth, everything in it, and all who live in it, God owns everything. It is His. It's not ours. And you may think, okay, that's just a little verse. But guys, seriously, if you don't get this principle on right, you will never have your heart in the right place. 
It's His that He entrusts to us. He allows us to use it. The key is, are we using it for ourselves or to build His kingdom? Deuteronomy 8.18 Because we have this idea, okay, I understand everything He created, that's His. But things I've done, like my efforts, my gift set, my career, that's mine. Really? Look at this one, Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. But I earned it. And how would you earn it? Well, because I I put the hands to it. And who gave you your hands? Who gave you your intellect? Who gave you your personality? Who gave you your gift set? You can't lay claim to that. God lays claim to that. He gave it to you. God owns it all. We're just money managers. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1-5. through And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You know, that, that's a true principle. I, I've been in a lot of poor places in the world, and I have to honestly say they tend to be more generous than the wealthy. America is the richest nation in the world, and they're actually statistically the least giving. They actually had a poll on, on Americans as a whole asking the question, do American Christians store up treasures in heaven? And when they took all those who claim to be Christians, took what their average salary is, and then had a poll of percentages of where they put that money, do you know where contribution was? Which, by the way, you have to define what that means. Contribution doesn't just mean giving to church. It means to any nonprofit. Out of 100% of their salary, 2.7%. And we're a Christian nation? I'm just saying. We've got to ask ourselves, something's wrong. Yeah. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own. Didn't come from the leadership saying, tithe. That's not how it happened. Even from their poverty, they asked to give. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first all to the Lord. Because who owns it? God does. Yeah, I know where your minds are going right there. Wait a minute. Do I tithe on my net or my gross? Does the government own it or does God own it? Then it should go to God first. I'm just saying. If He owns it, you should go to Him first. You should be tithing on your net. You should be tithing on your gross. It's first fruits. Yes. Government's secondary. Even, even Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar, but you give to God what is God's. Which His comes first, by the way. Wow. Despite their poverty, they gave. They showed that they were storing up something in heaven, not something on earth. Now, I know these are challenging passages, especially as Americans. But guys, as we learned earlier, you cannot separate how you use and view and prioritize money from your faith. You can't. They're inseparable. It would be a shame that we do all the things we do for God, but in our heart we store up treasures on earth, and as a result, we don't make it. That's how serious it is. That's how important having our hearts in the right place 
really is. You know, Malachi 3, we all know this for the sake of time, I won't read it, but you know, it says, why don't you bring the tithes in my storehouse? You are robbing God. Of course you are. If it's God's and you're keeping it, you're robbing Him. If it wasn't God's, He would not say, you're robbing me. Just the fact that He uses a statement, you're robbing me, is another emphasis, it is God's. And it's the only place in the Bible where He says, test me in this. Trust me. Test me. And I will open up the floodgates. And I'll be honest, although I don't always have that kind of faith, every time I have, He has always met the need. He hasn't always met my desire, but He has always met the need. You have stories like that. They happen all the time. Why don't we believe like that now? Because we don't really believe God owns it all. If we really believed, if every 24 hours of every day, of seven days a week, of every week of the year, we believe God owns it all, we would live very differently. Would we not? We would trust Him, even in hardship. So I think that's important, that we understand God owns it. We're just money managers. You don't believe that? Read the parable of the minus and the talents. Was it the servant's money or the master's money? It was the master's money. Those who did something with it, they were rewarded. Come share in your master's happiness. The one who kept it for themselves and went and hid it, they lost even that. God owns it. We just manage it. How well do you want to manage God's money? (laughs) I want to manage it very well because He will take account for it. The second point, and I think it's even the more challenging one, my heart always goes where I put my money. Now, that's not a negative statement, okay? It's so funny when we read that. I know where we get our guilty souls go like, yeah. For example, if I were to ask the parents, if you had to choose between getting something your child needs or something you desire, which would you choose? Majority of you, I would hope, (laughs) and I think the majority of you would, you'd get what your child needs. Why? Because your heart followed your money. If you didn't care for your kids more than yourself, you wouldn't do that. So it's not a negative principle. It's a positive one. However, where is our money going? It reveals where our heart actually is. Matthew 6.21. Where is your treasure? Look at this one, New Living Translation. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. And isn't that true? The things that you really put your money into or invest in, it, it, it doesn't just get you that possession or get you that job or get you that, that product. Then you worry about it. <laughs> is it, is it still, still working? Is it clean? Like, it, it just totally starts taking over, whatever it may be. The word of this statement is an important fact. Money leads and the heart follows. It did not say where your heart is, the money will follow. It actually says where your money leads, your heart follows. Where is your heart going by how you invest your money? That's the question you have to ask. That's a scary one. And I know the hardships from that. I mean, for years, Leanne and I were trying to get out of debt. And I'll, I'll tell you, every year I'm thinking, man, if I just didn't give special for a few years, I could get out of debt. Oh, man, if I just gave a little less weekly, I could get out of debt. But then it, it, it hit me that, was the debt God's fault or mine? 
It was mine. So I'm going to penalize and find God for my mistakes. That just doesn't seem right. That's it. And so I didn't do that. I continued to tithe. I continued to give special. Not always joyfully, I'll be honest. But we got out of debt. And I put my treasure in heaven. It took a little longer than I wanted. But my treasure's in heaven. I don't regret that for a minute. Where is our money going? Our heart will follow. Here's some great quote from the book. On page 76 of the digital version. He who lays up treasures on earth spends his life backing away from his treasures. To him, death is loss. But he who lays up his treasures in heaven looks forward to eternity. He's moving daily toward his treasures. To him, death is gain. He who spends his life moving away from his treasure has reason to despair. But he who spends his life moving toward his treasures has reason to rejoice. Are you despairing or are you rejoicing? That's a great statement right there. Guys, no matter what treasure you have on earth, whatever it is, it could be a person, it could be a possession, it could be your bank account, at some point, it's gone. Death will take it away. But if you are storing up treasures in heaven, you're always getting a day closer to it. And death actually allows you to claim it. It doesn't take it away. Which do we want to be? Despairing people or rejoicing people? But I understand. You're going to see it today with all the commercials. Showing you all the things you don't have that you supposedly need for survival. Right? Like, do you really need that? Really? I like to end with this passage because I think it helps remind us how foolish all that is. Psalm 49, verse 16. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases, because it doesn't, it breaks down. For they will take nothing with them when they die, their splendor will not descend with them. Though while they live, they count themselves blessed, and people praise you when you prosper, they will join those who have gone before them who will never again see the light of life. People who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. Wow! Psalms do not hold back. So guys, I know the temptation. Trust me, I fight it all the time. I'm one of those early adopters, man. I'm like waiting in line for the device when it first comes out. That's my temptation. It's there. But I can't take any of that with me. And they do break. I've broken every single thing I stood in line for. (laughs) Okay? But treasures in heaven don't. They're going to last. They're waiting for me. So I hope as we really study out the treasure principles, guys, we'll really see that don't put security of things in the earth. What we need is understanding, not possessions. We need a fear of the Lord, not a big bank account. Now, that doesn't mean you don't be wise. And as we give, we we do have to have a reason for why we give. Where are we as a church? Like, what do we want to invest in? What do we want to build? And I think that's good for us to know as a church. What, what is it that we want to invest in the kingdom for? Well, I'll say number one, 
Something we have been doing, we've seen the benefit, but we want to continue, is we want to invest in our youth. We want to continue to invest in our next year. we got some incredible youth in this church. We really do. I mean, I had the, the privilege of being out at a middle school ministry, you know, bonfire with s'mores and stuff last night. Man, I'm just looking at these kids. These kids are awesome. I already know how awesome our teen ministry is and all that they're doing and what they do around the world. It's amazing. We've we got to continue to invest in them. But there's another area where I think God is calling us, as the Dallas East especially. We've got to get a ministry in Dallas and Uptown. We've got to invest in that. That means some of you have to invest not by giving more, but be willing to move there. Oh, now we're getting serious about building up your treasures in heaven. Wait a minute, what did you just say, Derek? That's right. But that's going to cost me more. Yeah, it might. But if we want to bring the gospel to a group that I think we've neglected for too long in the Metroplex, particularly the young professionals, we got to get there. we got to figure it out and we got to invest in it. Right? I think we need to continue to invest in training. Training for our leaders, training for our elders, training for deacons. All these roles that we need to, to build God's kingdom, we've got to continue to invest. What is it you want to see the see the church invest in to build the kingdom. You have ideas. I've already thrown out there and some of you are starting to bite. Man, we need a coffee house. Why are we waiting on the church to do that? Some of you have the funds. Some of you have the skill set, the management, the creativity. Why don't we come together and let's get a coffee house? We don't have to wait for the planting to uptown. Let's just get a, a coffee house there and it will already be there. These are the dreams that we need to have, guys. We, gotta, we have to have dreams that whatever finances we have, they're just tools to build God's kingdom. Yeah. So what are the two points that we need to leave with today? God owns everything. I'm just His money manager. And my heart will always go where I put God's money. i leave you with this quote, and we'll be dismissed with the prayer. You can't take it with you but you can send it on ahead. Let us go to God in prayer. Lord, we are challenged by these principles, by these examples, by these commands. We as Americans are very blessed. I'm not saying we don't have financial hardships. We don't have debt or bills that are overwhelming us, but most of us have a roof over our head. Most of us have running water, hot water even. Many of us have food in our refrigerators. Many of us actually have not just one, but multiple cars to drive. That is unlike the majority of people in the world. But help us, God. Help us to have our money go where our heart needs to go. That we see whatever blessings we have on this earth is not for us just to benefit ourselves, but they're there to build your kingdom. God, we know that our view of money and possessions and time are directly reflective of our faith. God, I believe we have a very giving church, a sacrificial church. But God, we don't want to be 50% sacrificial. We want to be 100%. We want to be exactly what You called us to be, to be as Jesus was, who gave up the ultimate gift, eternal life in heaven, to take on flesh. But thanks to Him, we have a treasure that will never spoil our faith. God, as we go through these treasure principles, help us not just to understand them, but to begin to practice them and live them out in our daily lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. We are dismissed.